Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast ranking SEC quarterbacks. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by Jamie Newman's brother. Uh, Yes, that's me, Ryan Newman. And by Jamie Newman's other brother. That would be me, Trey Newman. Now, Michael, you this week you've kept us to Trask, and you didn't have to nix Ryan or I. Okay, all right, good work. <laughs> I mean, I guess that kind of seals the deal on uh, on the week uh, here. Mm, yeah. Very mm, good. Mm. Very. All good. right, we have uh, finally made it to the SEC quarterback rankings. We're going to rank all fourteen of the projected starting quarterbacks. And a little teaser here, all three of us chose different quarterbacks for number one, so get to that later in the episode. Uh, but let's start out with an unsurprising number 14, Trey. Yep. Hailing from Vanderbilt, Ken Seals. Yeah, that, that picture doesn't actually make me invoke a lot of confidence <laughs> he's, either. He's a freshman. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a baby. Uh, but just unfortunately with the way Vanderbilt has played the past couple seasons, particularly last season, and is they're not projected to do much more this year. This last spot's kind of reserved, unfortunately, for their their quarterback. There's no guarantee it will be Seals. Uh, Mason no. brought in a couple JUCO transfers, and there are some freshmen as well. Um, there's a new offensive coordinator. Uh, there's just a, there's a lot of change right now, and it might just kind of be shuffling the deck on the Titanic at this point. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. We all had them. We all had them last. They're the you know the four quarterbacks that are in the race are all unknowns and not super highly recruited so hard to know what to expect but not much it's weird seeing a school bring in four qbs that is in one class yeah that is that's a lot of smells of desperation yeah hopefully hopefully one of them's good but uh yeah we'll see yep all right let's move on to our 13th overall guy we got sean robinson uh host of 90 day fiance Nobody I don't watch that show. Yeah, I don't watch figured, figured you didn't, but you know, <laughs> had to put it in there. Some a very select group of people might get that. Maybe nobody in this that listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. So I I had him at twelfth, which was I guess slightly higher, but um, it's not necessarily he his job. I mean, it's not a guarantee. He's gonna they got Taylor Powell um, and uh, back coming back. I think he'll be a junior. And Connor Bezelik, but Be- Bezelik, I don't know. Anyways, Sean Robinson appears to be the guy uh, at this point. Um, didn't exactly tear it up at TCU, but we've kind of seen that it's uh, TCU is a tough situation. Threw too many picks, wasn't very consistent, but he, he did throw over 300 yards against Ohio State a couple of years ago. So signs of life, but hard to be confident in him. Yeah, I mean, he could be end up this season a, a few slots higher because the one thing he does have is his running ability. So that's kind of a sure asset. He had over five yards per carry at TCU. And uh, yeah, we just, he was young when he played at, at TCU. And then, like you said, not, not a great supporting cast there. Not a lot of quarterbacks have succeeded. So I, I don't think just because he's 13th doesn't mean he's bad. No. And, and hopefully with the uh, influence of Eli Drinkowitz, maybe he can be a little bit more of a QB whisperer and, and elevate Robinson's game. Okay. Number 12 on our list is Ryan Holinsky at South. And he, of course, started as a true freshman last year after Jake Bentley went down. 
and for the most part really struggled. He looked like a true freshman. So if he doesn't improve, you know, significantly this year, which I guess you would expect him to to take a step forward, but I would not at all be surprised to see Colin Hill, the grad transfer from Colorado State, get the starting job at some point because he of course played for Mike Bobo, the new offensive coordinator at South Carolina. He was of course the head coach uh of of Hill at Colorado State. And when Hill was healthy there, he played pretty well. The problem is he was frequently unhealthy. He's had a lot of knee injuries. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see if, uh, you know, if Holinsky struggles, then I think you'll see Hill. Yeah, I think you'll see him struggle probably. Um, I would be very surprised if we didn't see Hill at some point throughout the year. It's, you know, it just, you don't have much to work with. That's, it's just such a tough, and you have had such a tough schedule. It's very tough to deal with. And at least Bentley had a guy like Debo Samuel. I mean, that was at least one weapon for him, but now it's a tough hand. So I don't think he's, uh, Hillinski's a top tier guy. So yeah, I would expect, uh, I'm expecting Colin Hill to eventually take over, but maybe, maybe the influence of Bobo will help Polinski, um, at least develop into a little bit more and, and live up to some of the, the hype that he had coming out of high school. That's the hope if you're a, a Gamecock fan. Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, he was highly recruited. So that potential is still there. Okay. Moving on to, Number 11, out of Kentucky, Terry Wilson. Uh, he was out most of last year with uh, with injury, and that's why wideout Lynn Bowden played majority of the year. Uh, Wilson is not much of a threat with his arm, but he's athletic. He just has a knack for for making a lot of, making the plays when when needed to. He didn't always look pretty when he was in there in the, the past couple of years, but he always seemed to do just enough. And uh, hopefully for Wildcat fans... The, the time off and helped him develop into a little bit more of a, a passing threat. What do you think, Ryan? Uh, yeah, I actually had him ninth, which was, uh, I don't know. I guess I was surprised that I maybe put him that high or surprised that I was higher than you guys on him, but I don't know. His numbers are obviously not that great and they didn't really ask a whole lot of him, but I, I, at the same time, we've seen him come through, uh, in some big moments and some big games. Um, I mean, just for instance, so a couple of years ago and they won at Florida, which Kentucky like had never done or something. It was just, he came up through big in that game. So I give him credit for, for doing, for making some big plays and some big games. And, you know, he led that 2018 team to a top 15 finish. So he's, uh, yeah. proven that he can at least, I don't know, be a quarterback on a good team. <laughs> Yeah, he's fine. I think one reason for me I was lower than than you on him is that season, that that 10-win season a couple of years ago, their offense, according to SP Plus, was actually the worst in the SEC. And that was with Benny Snell and a, a good offensive line to help him out. So, you know, I just think maybe your ceiling is not super high when Wilson's your quarterback. He just not enough explosive plays through the air, but he does help out in the run game and he's efficient in the the short passing game. So it's yeah. It's not all bad. That was a fun year for Kentucky. Actually, the last two years have been pretty fun for Kentucky. That two years ago, they were pulling games out of their hat. Like I remember they it was played the a game. They played a game at Missouri it. where it was like, whoa, how did they win that? And then last year with Lynn Bowden, it was so fun to watch how that offense transformed. Yep. Yep. And they're I mean, this year their offensive line is gonna be really, really good again. So I you know, they're they could have another big year. Yep. Um, all right. Yeah, go ahead. Number number ten. Put her up there. Yeah, Miles Brennan probably looks to be the guy uh, there for for LSU. Um, for me, he was probably maybe the hardest one to rank in the SEC, uh, just obviously because we haven't seen enough of him. Um, I put him 13th 
So I, <laughs> I mean, that is pretty darn low. You know, I, I don't have any issue with somebody putting him higher and maybe I could have put him a little higher, but he hasn't sniffed really the field much during his first three years. And I know people will say like, oh, well, he's been behind Joe Burrow. So, you know, you can't give him be too hard on for that. But if you go back to 2018, Joe Burrow wasn't very good. Like you go look at the in Joe Burrow's first nine games of 2018. Guess how many touchdowns he threw in those first nine games? Uh, 11, six. Okay. Like he was six. not good. He was, they were not, the offense was struggling. He, they weren't doing much. Brennan didn't get a chance. They still stuck with Burrow. I'm not super confident that Brennan is just going to come in and have a great year and keep up the, he's definitely not going to, he can't match Joe Burrow's year, but I just, I, I worry either they lose Joe Brady and I don't know. I'm, I'm afraid that they're just going to slip back into a little bit of where they were. I mean, they still have Jamar Chase and some some uh, some good weapons, Marshall also, but I'm not confident yet with with Brennan. Now, before LSU fans jump through the screen and attack Ryan, yeah, twenty four seven actually had him thirteenth as well, which really surprised me. Really, and they they did their conference, but he Brennan is one of the the biggest wild cards in this conference because you 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 ask yourself, did LSU lose too much around? around him both on the field and then you got also losing Joe Brady um, or in conversely has LSU turned a corner and are they able to start consistently producing some above average or solid offenses so I'm I'm kind of on the fence I had him right around where, where we have him now it's just uh, it's he, it's I don't know if it's all or nothing but I'm, I'm really anxious to see it play out yeah, it's definitely will be interesting to see I think one thing that gives me a little bit of confidence in Brennan is that LSU didn't bring in a grad transfer like even if they couldn't get their their top guy if they were desperate for for a quarterback they could have brought somebody in and they didn't so I think they have some confidence in him I mean he's been with Ensminger for for a few years now and like you say if if Ensminger can continue this Joe Brady legacy even a little bit then then Brennan will have a, a big year with all the all the talent they have at receiver all right moving on to Number nine on our list is Jarrett Garantano at Tennessee, and he's obviously going to have to hold off uh, Brian Maurer, JT Shrout, and the the big true freshman recruit Harrison Bailey. And he this is a hard one for me to rank because, and I was the lowest on him at eleven, which may be a bit harsh. I mean, when you look at his his overall stats, they were pretty decent last year; they were pretty good. But he's just so inconsistent. Like he just would follow up a great game with a terrible game. So I, I know a lot of Tennessee fans are definitely on the fence about him and they they watch him every game. So they've had to live through those up and downs. I don't know. I just didn't know what to do with him. Yeah, the inconsistency is definitely worrisome. But I mean, you saw what happened when he went out. Um, it was even rougher. It was pretty rough. Like, so I, I think he's maybe a little underrated. Um, and I think with a lot of the talent that they have coming back, um, I think they're going to improve a little bit that I think he's going to keep getting better. And I don't know. I just trust that he's going to have a a much better overall year. It's his, I think it's going to be his team. He's got nothing to worry about. And, uh, I expect him to have a good year. I mean, I was obviously high on the Vols last year. Um, we, we know that, but for me going into this year, Garantano, it's like, I don't, I don't think there's much more of a ceiling. Like he can improve a little bit, but I would Honestly, I'd be a little surprised if at the end of the year he was a top four SEC quarterback. I, I hope I'm wrong, but 
I just it for as I sit right here today, it would be tough for me to to see. Okay, moving on right. to number eight. Yep, we've got John Reese Plumley from Ole Miss. Um, I actually had him the highest at seventh, so just one one peg ahead. I mean, he had some electric games as a freshman last year, specifically as a runner. I mean, he in that LSU game, he had 212 yards on the ground. Uh, not too bad. He got up against the national champs. Now throw in a good offensive coach in Lane Kiffin. I'm expecting Plumlee to to elevate his game in his sophomore year. Um, yeah, I'm doubting it. I am a tenth. Um, he can't pass. It's um, you got to be. I mean, that that picture of him was pretty appropriate. He he was running and not throwing. <laughs> I just think it's going to be an uphill battle, especially when teams are a little bit more ready for it. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not buying. I don't know if he can ever be in a consistent enough passer to, to really threaten the defenses that you really need to uh, in the sec. So I don't know. I'm, I'm lower than most, I think on, on Plumlee. Yeah. It's hard to say last year he had 154 pass attempts and 150 rush attempts. That's obviously not or very unlikely to be the case this year. He's going to be passing more uh, under Lane Kiffin though. I do trust Kiffin to, adjust his offense to the to the talent he has at quarterback he's done a good job of that in the past um so i guess i'm i'm more optimistic than you ryan on Plumley, just because of lane kiffin's coaching and i mean he ran for a thousand yards last year that's that's a huge trait to have if if they can make use of it i will say though matt corral is is still there too so if if kiffin wants a better passer he's an option yep all right fair enough um Moving on. Now to... it is time. No, 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 oh, Ryan. <laughs> Sorry. It's time for a word from Trey. Yeah. And I'm going to speak to you about the Patreon of the College Football Bros. Uh, we have a really good time with this. So first of all, if you'd like to uh, donate or become a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash college football bros. There you'll find bonus episodes. We've got a bunch of those already uh, there for you. You have access to our Discord. It's basically like a group chat. Uh, we have a lot of friendly banter, a lot of different uh, fan bases in that group right now. Uh, we have a fun time with it on a daily basis. You also have access. We're going to do a fantasy league. We also do some uh, a pick'em league that's that's fun uh, and much more. So we highly encourage you to uh, to help out if you really like the podcast. It's it'd be five bucks a month. Uh, we still will always provide the free content that we do on a weekly basis, but this is just an added bonus. If you, if you really enjoy what the, what the bros are, are spitting out at you. Awesome. Until the end there, when you talked about spitting on the listeners, yeah. I didn't like spitting on your face. Yeah. No. <laughs> Number seven. Okay. Number seven. All right. There he is. Felipe Franks, uh, the new guy uh, in Fayetteville. Um, I was high on him uh, compared to uh, the other bros here. I had him fifth. Um, KJ Jefferson, I guess, is there, and he could give him a little, a little bit of a, a battle. But Franks is expected to be the guy, and I, I had him that high because I, we've seen him play well. Uh, led a team to a New Year's Six Bowl win. Uh, Trey's shaking his head, but it's okay; he's stupid. So uh, his freshman year, <laughs> Trey has through, Trey has uh, Franks tenth. So this mm-hmm. is this is the biggest discrepancy I think yeah. we've had of maybe all the episodes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a pretty big gap, but. Uh, Franks is, is a tough one to judge because it's, you know, we've seen good play from him. Uh, I mean, Dan Mullen obviously helped him uh, out a lot with that. But when I when I compare his what he did and to what Trask did, like 
I don't think it was that big of a difference. Yeah, Trask was maybe slightly better, uh, but I don't think it was like some light years difference where I could have, you know, like I think you have, where do you have Trask, Trey? We'll get there. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. Good point. Well, he, he has him 10th. I think I said that. No, no Trask. Trask. Oh, but point being, like, there's, the, there's, I don't, there's, that's a huge gap between where you have, wherever you have Franks and Trask. And I just don't see it that much. And I'm not, you know, people are going to say this year, well, you know, Franks is, is obviously not going to have near the statistical year that, Trask well because of the supporting cast. I mean, Arkansas is just not conducive to that where compared to Florida, but I don't know. I think Franks gets a bad rap and, you know, even his own guys have turned up in the, on him in the past. Um, but I think he's a little underappreciated. I, I think Franks is a product of, or the success he had at Florida was a product of the system he was in with Mullen and the talent around him. He's good. I'm not saying he's, he's not bad, but, but hold on a second. So Franks, He's also coming off of an injury, so there's there's a little bit of unknown there. I also build in the factor of he's going to Arkansas, which is not expected to have a very good season. And you you know, I have this image ingrained into me where in the first game last year when they played Miami in Week Zero, you there was the, remember the the screenshot where they went to they went to Steve Spurrier. Because yeah. Felipe Franks threw like one of the worst interceptions you've ever seen. And I just yeah. have that play like ingrained by Baya. Then you see Spurrier just like shaking his head. <laughs> uh, was, that was such a great go back and YouTube it if you don't know what I'm talking about. But but personally, I'm just saying I think Franks hit his ceiling uh, and Mullen got the most out of him. But, you know, I, again, I, I understand your point like when you're comparing Trask and, and Franks. But that's just the reason I had him low, just mainly because he's on a, in a tough situation. Yeah, I'm I'm in between you guys on on the ranking here. Um, I, I do understand with we saw Nick Starkle go to Arkansas, we saw Ben Hicks go there and and flame out. So and we thought they were they were pretty decent. Um, but I will say I like Kendall Bryles, the offensive coordinator there. So maybe uh, maybe it won't be as difficult a situation as we think. Yeah, I might have been too harsh, Ryan. Maybe. Okay, number six on our list is Bo Nix from Auburn, and he. Had you know he's of course a, started as a true freshman last year and he had fifty eight percent completions, six point seven yards per attempt. So he just wasn't very good last year st- statistically, and of course you expect some improvement given he was a five star recruit and he's going to be a sophomore. But I'm just not willing to project enough of an an improvement to be a top five SEC quarterback. And I'm actually surprised he ended up at six, but I did have him. I might have had him sixth or seventh. So. I guess that just tells you my lack of confidence in the the bottom half of the SEC. Yeah, Trey, where where'd you have Bo? Item seventh. Yeah, we we all had him in this range then, so we were no no one was outlandish with Knicks here. Yeah, um, I, I think he'll be better this year. Um, you know, obviously it's going into sophomore year, but he's got some good targets to throw to. He's got Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz, and Eli Stove all coming back. So I know he's going to have a reworked offensive line, but. Those pass catchers are still going to be, still going to be there, and those guys are good. So, I think uh, maybe the, the second year, uh, Malzahn might open it up a little bit more for him, and um, we could see him make a big make a big jump. Yeah, we, Malzahn, and then also uh, the old Arkansas head coach, uh, Morris. Chad Morris. Chad Morris. Yeah. So the the influence of those two guys in year two, you know, we talked about a little bit last week too. Nick's like he had so much hype coming out of high school. And then also 
that first game against Oregon, he had that great last fourth quarter drive to to lead the win that he threw the touchdown pass. And it kind of really set the bar really high. And he could never obviously quite get to that level. He had a pretty good iron bowl, but, um, but other than that, he was kind of spotty, but I think where he is, it's a, it's a fair ranking considering how he performed last year. Okay. All right. Moving on within the state of Alabama, number five, Mac Jones for the tide. So, I had him fifth where where he stands. Ryan, you actually had him had him higher. We'll get to that in a sec. But so he finished the year at a very high level uh, against Auburn and in the bowl game against Michigan. Uh, he did throw a couple costly picks in the Iron Bowl. Not entirely his fault, uh, but I'm just not ready to anoint him yet to to second. I mean, he he definitely. There's no reason he can't. Um, and he's going to succeed because of the immense talent at Alabama surrounding him. But I just personally, when I was going through these rankings, I wanted just a little bit more of a sample size. Um, he's a guy, of course, though, I, like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if he ended the season as a top quarterback in, in the SEC. Uh, yeah, like you said, I had him uh, second. I just His numbers were incredibly good when he played. I mean, mm-hmm. incredibly good. And you know, you bring up the two throws against Auburn. If it wasn't for those two throws, the whole narrative of him would be completely different. Like he would be, everybody would look at him and say he's maybe going to be the best quarterback in the SEC this year. They probably maybe would have won the Iron Bowl and whatever. So, and I can't hold two throws against him all that much, especially on the road in the Iron Bowl, biggest game of the year when he hasn't had that much uh, playing experience before that. So he played. He still overall had a great game. Yeah, exactly. So that's, I, I can't, I don't want to penalize him so much for those two things. I mean, I didn't put him number one, but, you know, fourth, it was about his, what, his fourth game of real playing time. And I don't know. I just think he was, his stats were so good that I, I couldn't ignore him. Yeah. And he went on to have a really good game against Michigan in, in the bowl game. So he fared pretty well against tough competition. I, I lean more towards Ryan than, than Trey. But uh, just, just so for the listeners and the viewers, we're at five, number five right now, but five to one was the closest of any conference. So you could reasonably, I think, put any of these guys number one. You can no make doubt. the argument. Um, it was it was kind of razor thin in the SEC. Well, and uh, and, and Mac, Mac Jones isn't even a shoe in for sure. I mean, all that. Like, well, how could we get through this without yeah. bringing up yeah Bryce <laughs> Young, the five star quarterback coming in? Yeah, a lot of people think he'll he'll overtake Jones, and if especially if there was a you know, a full spring practice, that would be, uh, there'd be even more talk of that. But yeah, Mac Jones is not going to have a, a long leash. If he's even, maybe Young will just start day one. Who knows? True. Okay. Who is number four on the list, Ryan? Oh, whoops. I skipped a guy. Uh, yeah. K- KJ Costello. Uh, it's Stanford transfer going to Mississippi State. It's always, it's tough to rank a transfer. Um, it's it's don't not sure how it's going to fare there, but uh, it certainly has all the physical tools you need to be successful. And I'd imagine Leach would probably get a lot out of him. And Leach obviously knows what he's doing. Didn't go the way he wanted to last year at Stanford. Uh, they obviously they struggled around him quite a bit. We kind of already touched on that uh, previous episode. Um, you know, 2018 he was really really good. He had he had some good weapons for sure. Uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and Caden Smith, I think, also were a couple of guys that they had that were really good there at Stanford. But, you know, it's Leach, is, you know, he's got the tools, and I think Leach will be able to use him well. And uh, he's a good he's a good quarterback. He's proven he's good. So, I, I, you know, a fourth or fifth, something sounds about right to me. 
Yeah, I was the highest on him. I had him second. Um just because I, I like what he did at Stanford. I, I kind of throw away a little bit of the, the, the beginning of, of last year for the reasons we talked about in the Pac-12 episode. Um, and the two years before that, he was he was very 2018. You brought up that season. He was second team all Pac-12. And, and entering last year, he was widely considered a top 10 or 15 quarterback nationally. So if you, if you kind of give him an excuse for last year, give him a mulligan, then you, you might have him around there this year. Yeah, and I've mentioned it in the past, but I was really impressed with C- Costello and how he improved while at Stanford. Uh, obviously, now there's maybe a little bit of an injury concern, but I'm just more buying the marriage of Leach and pretty much any quarterback. Uh, I'm just so curious and anxious to see how it pans out, not only with Costello, but any quarterback that Leach has in Starkville and and how it goes in the SEC. Yeah, production-wise year one might be might be tough i'm not sure about the receiving core there and just he doesn't have the personnel for for a mike leach offense yet so i'm not sure if he'll put up huge numbers this year like obviously i would have mac jones even though i think i had mac jones one slot behind him in terms of of these quarterback rankings mac jones is going to have a better year like oh yeah no doubt. as long as he starts yeah okay we are to number three on our list and it is our brother Jamie Newman, our younger bro. And I had him number one overall, actually. So, and which I think actually says more about the the top of the SEC than really my opinion of Jamie Newman, because I'm not actually like incredibly high on him. I'm not totally buying into the hype, but I'll make my case for why I, I did have him number one. So first off, he's a good runner, over 500 yards rushing last year and six touchdowns. So that's that's an element he brings. And second, his passing stats last year overall were pretty solid, even though at the end of the year he tailed off. And Ryan, you're you've got an inquisitive look. You're you're about ready to rebut my argument, <laughs> but but okay. So I think there's excuses for for the end of the year because uh, his best receiver, Surratt, went down with an injury, season-ending injury. Uh, another one of his top targets, Scotty Washington, went down around the same time, and that was shortly after Jamie Newman injured his shoulder. So all those factors combined, I think helped to lead to a a struggling second half of the year. Um, so I, I like him. I think he's got a ton of talent, great arm, good running ability. The The upside is huge. Yeah, I, I just think people are overreacting to him uh, a little here. Um, yeah, he was, he was solid at Wake, but he, he, there's no way he was elite uh, to be a number one quarterback coming into the SEC this year. If you list, you know, you look at his stats last year, I mean, you just go to the ACC play, 56% completion percentage, seven yards per attempt, 12 touchdowns, nine picks. And keep in mind, that's the ACC. I mean, the ACC is terrible. And <laughs> four, 14, he threw 14 pass attempts against Clemson, so it's not like that That was a very small number, so it's not like that skewed the, the whole numbers all that much. Um, that was just a small, small attempts there, but and he, he just wasn't that good. I know he maybe lost a, a player or two, but I mean, he's going up against much, much, much more challenging defenses week in, week out. Um, this, this uh, at Georgia and the SEC. So I just, I think expectations really need to be tempered here. Um, and I, I don't, I really can't put him at number one. I, I fall right in the middle of you guys. Um, I hear both your your arguments, Ryan. I guess if I had to say anything, yeah, he the the stats weren't weren't all everything, but he was at Wake Forest, not 
a dominant school in the ACC, and he's going to have a little bit more around him at Georgia. The other thing, though, is that uh, it should be, I would think, actually an upgrade for Georgia is from just really unfortunately regressed last year. And if he blends well with that new offensive staff, there's no reason he can't be in the maybe even in the Heisman race. I'm not putting him that like as my Heisman front runner, but we know Georgia's defense is going to be insanely good and they're they're going to be in the mix for the SEC. So there's no reason that he can't be the guy that at least plots them to Atlanta and maybe be in that that race. But but I agree. I didn't have him number one. Okay. All right. Well, let's go to someone that uh, Ryan actually had. Yeah, so mm-hmm. this is uh, this is crazy considering it comes from Ryan. But we got number two. Uh, the Bros have Kellen Mond of Texas A and M. So I think Mond can still actually improve under another year of tutelage uh, from Jimbo. Uh, the couple years of strong recruiting depth that Jimbo has uh, accumulated should begin to pay dividends this year in College Station. Uh, Mond, he's put up huge numbers. The last couple seasons, he leads all SEC quarterbacks in returning production. Uh, but man, Ryan, I couldn't help but notice you, of all people, a couple years later, yeah. have had Kellen Mond number one. So what what uh, what went into it for it's you? Been, uh, it's been a long ride for good old Kellen and I. It's uh, it's a long way away from when we were at UCLA this few years ago. Anyways, um, yeah, no, I have number one. I I just feel like he's carried them. The past couple years, um, they didn't have a thousand yard rusher this year. The running ground game wasn't all that great. Uh, and his receivers, yeah, they were solid, but that is not what I would call an elite group of receivers. The other thing I like about him is he played well in the big games. They played seven bowl teams this year. Uh, and in those games, he completed about 60% of his passes, 10 touchdowns and just four picks. And keep in mind, they played Clemson, LSU, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama. I mean, that's yeah. five teams that finished in the top 14 of the rankings. He played against really, really tough competition. Didn't have the greatest support team staff, I guess, whatever you would call it. And yet he still played up good numbers against those good teams. The only bad game he had was LSU. That was, he had a really bad game. But that's even in those stats that I just said. So, you know, you compare those stats to contrast to what Jamie Newman was doing against ACC teams. Wake played one team that finished in the top 40 of the AP poll, Clemson, and that was, he was awful in that game. One team. That was the only team they played in the top 40. Kellen right. Mond. I, pretty good. I wouldn't have Kellen Mond number one, but it, even if you do have him number one, I think that, again, goes to show you the lack of a proven elite quarterback in the SEC. Because, I mean, Kellen Mond is, is solid. He's a good runner. He's a, a decent passer. And especially when you adjust his, his stats for the strength of schedule, you know, the, the passing stats would probably look better if, if he was going up against easier competition. But I don't know if to me, Kellen Mond just like, I want to pick Texas A&M to make the playoff this year. I, you know, I've been kind of the beginning of last year, there were a lot of juniors, a lot of sophomores on Texas A&M. So it looked like, Ooh, 2020, is the year that they're going to take this big step forward. And I do think they will, but in order to pick them to, to make the playoff, I feel like they've got a lot of the other pieces in place. I just have a little bit of doubt about Kellen Mond that he's got that high of a ceiling. I think he's more of maybe a B plus quarterback and I don't know. We'll see. Maybe he can, he can, uh, 
I, proved me wrong a little bit I'm, this year. I mean, I think he's good, but I kind of somewhat agree with you about this. I just don't. I don't think there is an elite guy. You know, no. like Kellen's really not good. A, not one that we know of yet. Yeah, yeah exactly. There's, there's yeah. no Tua this year. Exactly. Right. All right. Uh, all right. We go on to number one here. Number one. I'm. Uh, yeah. Number one. Kyle Trask. That is a uh, what a leap uh, from uh, from a year from now. From it's he's come a long way. Um, yeah, I like Trask a lot. I had him third, which you know it, it's not like he's far far behind or anything. But the reason why I put him third is just because he had really really good talent around him this year. Uh, you look at the guys: Freddie Swain, Van Jefferson, Tyree Cleveland, the Michael P. Ryan. All were drafted in the NFL, and those were skill players for Florida. Um, and then you also had Kyle uh, Kyle Pitts, who's a potential first rounder at tight end for this coming season. So, ton of help around him. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll reference the, the Kellen Mond thing. Kellen Mond's best weapon was arguably uh, Courtney Davis, who declared early and went to the NFL draft and didn't get, even get drafted. So, the discrepancy of talent there was quite a bit, and uh, that's why I just I couldn't put Trask above uh Kelamon, so yeah all right well trey you had you had uh trask number one so make your case yeah i mean everyone knows by now I, i'm bullish on mullen and the gators so maybe i was a little bit overly influenced by that but i was just really impressed with trask last year uh he was thrust into that starting role of course as we talked about earlier with felipe franks going down uh he, he ends up leading them to double digit wins an orange bowl victory I, and I also really liked his moxie and how he played against the top teams. So against top 10 teams last year, he was pretty efficient uh, in their games against Georgia, LSU, and Auburn. That's a pretty decent uh, d- decent slate there, and he played pretty well, and he held his own. So now with a full offseason of him being the guy, maybe he can uh, elevate the game a little bit more and take Florida to to newer heights. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue against the numbers he put up. He put up numbers that justify him being this high. I had him a few slots lower, but like we said, any of these top five guys, you could you could make a case for number one. But uh, one interesting thing about Florida is uh, Emory Jones at quarterback mm-hmm. as as the backup. Mullen really likes him. He's going to get some snaps for sure, but uh, I, it wouldn't be the craziest thing if if Emory Jones looks so good in those snaps to justify more and more. Yeah, yep. I agree. Okay. Uh let's uh let's recap the SEC then. So I will uh pull up the the list here shortly. What did you guys think of uh of the SEC in general? I thought it was extremely difficult at the top. I mean, I, I honestly could have put names in a hat and just picked up like like Mac Jones, you could obviously make a case for top couple, but then you kind of worry if if he's even gonna be the guy. And then yeah, it was just it was just you just mix any of them up and I wouldn't be I wouldn't argue with you yeah I, th- I, th- I just I think there's a good group I just don't think there's a maybe there's no quite elite guys or maybe the ones that we haven't seen be quite elite yet but there's also when you go to the towards the end it's just there's still some pretty solid quarterbacks down there at the bottom of yeah Terry the Wilson being at 11 that's that's yeah, not bad I mean, he's you know led a team to a 10 and 3 year so I mean yeah and I Helinski could be if he had the right group around him could be all right and so, yeah. well, uh, how about of, of all these guys on this list, if everyone had the same odds, who would you, who would you bet to win the Heisman? Mm. You've got, I'll just list off the top five. Cause they're probably the most reasonable ones. Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond, G 
Jamie Newman, KJ Costello, and Mac Jones. I mean, for me, I'm between Jones and Newman because I'm pretty confident Georgia and Alabama would be near the top of the SEC. I mean, Trask should, but I don't know if his numbers can really get there. I might have to lean with Mac. Yeah. I would yeah. go with Mac Jones too, just because of the, the the talent around him. I mean, if he just puts up yep. the numbers that he did when he right. played last year over over Temple, he'd he'd be in the running. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Okay. And obviously Bo Nix, I mean, he's he's gonna have better Heisman odds than like a KJ Costello because Of he's course got the, he got the team around him and the expected to be uh, you know, nine or ten win team. But okay. Um that does it for the SEC. Then let's uh, let's just do a brief review of of the rankings throughout the week. So, which conference do you think had the best quarterbacks? It's a tough call. Um, I know. I I think I have to go with the Big Twelve. Uh, I just think it it was it's so deep. The amount of production that's coming back is amazing. I mean, you start at the top with Sam Ellinger, uh, Brock Purdy, uh, Sanders, and then you know we're not even talking about. Spencer Rattler, who has all the the pedigree to become elite, and then even guys like uh, Alan Bowman. So I I liked the the Big Twelve. Yeah, it's it's tough uh, to me. I I was going between the the Big Twelve, as you see there, or the SEC as the best. Uh, I I think I'm actually going to agree with you on, on Trey, though. I think I'd go with the Big Twelve. They just they really only have one quarterback that I don't feel particularly good about um all the other nine guys i i would be fine going to bat with and it's just a deep deep group and i I purdy i mean he's one of the best in the country so yeah i i'd probably lean towards the big 12 yeah the the like you said the only guy that the only situation the only team that great about the quarterback is probably kansas with uh miles kendrick at at 10th i this was a tough one because i want to bring up the ACC now if you the, just take the top the five bottom guys. half yeah exactly the bottom half is bad <laughs> so I'm not going to pick the ACC but I'll bring up this top five again Trevor Lawrence Sam Howell Mikhail Cunningham Derek King and Hendon Hooker that is yeah. really tough to beat the ACC so, totally surprised me I was yeah. they're they're impressive not necessarily the teams but just the quarterbacks themselves that is a such good list yeah, but overall, uh, as far as the best, I'm going to agree with you guys. I'm going to say the Big 12 just because, and I know there's 10 teams, um, but but nine of them have, have pretty solid situations. So it was close, but Big 12. Uh, okay, how about the worst situation, the worst conference of, of quarterbacks? Believe it or not, I'm going to say the Big 10. Um, oh. Justin Fields and Tanner Morgan, I'm pretty comfortable with at the top. But there's just so many guys, as we we discussed in the Big Ten episode, that are kind of boomer bust. Really, the whole middle middle it's a back end. It's like there's really there's little experience to go off of uh, and project. And top to bottom, I was just a, at this point before the season, I was a little bit underwhelmed considering how good the the conference generally usually is. Yeah, I guess I'm I I gotta agree with Trey again. Uh, okay, wow, Big Ten. I'm yeah. not confident in it. It's just. Like you said, those top two guys are really good. But I, I, when we talked about this, when we were doing the Big Ten rankings um, a couple of days ago, and we brought it up, and we're just I would, at the end, I was like, you know, you can poke holes in a lot of these quarterbacks, and just you have worries. You know, you don't just feel super confident in all of them. Really, Morgan and Fields are it. And so, 
Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm the least confident with the Big Ten. I mean, the ACC, it's, it's weird just because the ACC is such a separation of powers. You know, it's like, how do you right. judge that? You know, it's like it's like ranking, um, like saying which which conference is the best just overall. It's like, well, I mean, obviously the SEC, but outside of that, it's like, how do you decipher like, you know, the top teams when you have such a big group of maybe bad teams at the bottom? So, right. It's hard to yeah. do that. It's what's your criteria, but... For me, I I went. You guys are making a good case for the the Big Ten, but I went with the Pac-12, just because I think that that bottom is is potentially weak. Um, with when you got Dorian Thompson Robinson at seventh, and I don't feel very good about him. I don't think that's a a great sign. And the top end, you know, I like that Keaton Slovis, Jaden Daniels, Chase Garbers, but I don't think it's great enough to to carry the the rest of the group. So. You know, I don't think there was a clear answer here, though. I, I don't think any conference is head and shoulders above any other in terms of quarterback play this year. No, not when you look at the whole, the whole, just the whole shebang. But if you do like the top five thing that you brought up, I think you can kind of maybe separate a couple of them. Mm-hmm. All right, wow, that's it. We went through. <laughs> Ryan is. We did it. Very happy Finally. that we have made it through quarterbacks week. Um. If you haven't seen our, our head coach rankings, we also did that uh, maybe a month or two ago. So check that out on our YouTube or just in, in your podcast app. And uh, if you could retweet these episodes as I, as I post them on, on Twitter throughout the week as I, as I did, please uh, let people know what, what we're doing. If you like the show, share links to the episodes in your, on Reddit or your, uh, your local team's message board. We'd really appreciate that. And uh, yeah. Let us know what you think of our rankings. I'm looking forward to it. SEC fans are passionate, so yeah, bring it on. All right. Talk All to right, you next guys. week. Good stuff. Good job. All right. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros., Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.